Hi, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Questions. Subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We would love to hear from you guys in the future, and we don't want you guys to miss out on all the exciting content that we pump out every day and all of the stuff that we have uh, on the horizon. So uh, 2021 is going to be an exciting year, and we're excited to, to launch uh, some new things. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, today we have another question from Phil, who writes in, and says, if the gospel is the good news of God's love through Christ for sinners, then what's so offensive about the gospel? Why does Jesus refer to himself as a stumbling block? And why does the Apostle Paul refer to the gospel as foolishness? Let's hear what Pastor Joel has to say as he uh, tunes in and reads from God's word. Great. It's um, a good question. I, I like the way that you framed it. Um, if the gospel is good news, which the Bible clearly says, then how does the Bible also call the gospel an offense, which the Bible also could clearly says? So let, let's go ahead and uh, get some of that biblical language um, in the scripture itself. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We'll focus on 18, but let me just read all the way down through 25. So 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18, the Bible says this, For the word of the cross, I, I don't know what word of the cross there is that Paul might be referencing other than the gospel. So that, that's where we're getting gospel, word of the cross. For the word of the cross is foolishness. All right, so now Phil writes in, speaking more so, um, in regards to offense. So right now we have gospel, word of the cross, and foolishness. But we'll get to offense here in just a moment. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God to us who are being saved. Now that right there, and we're going to go and look at 2 Corinthians here in a moment. But that right there is, if you've ever heard the old adage, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, in this particular case, uh, we have the apostle saying that the beauty of the cross, the, the beauty of the gospel, whether or not it comes to you as power, as, as, as something that is effective in saving, in atoning, in transforming, the, this message of the cross, the word of the cross, the gospel, it is beautiful and powerful to the ears, those who hear it, to the ears who are being saved. But it, it sounds like folly. It sounds foolish. It sounds stupid to those who are perishing. This is verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's read it one more time. For the word of the cross, the gospel, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. The gospel sounds foolish to those who are perishing, but it is. it sounds Powerful. It sounds like life, like salvation to those who are being saved. Now let's go on. Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. This is quoting a prophecy. So this is the voice of God. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the world's wisdom foolish? 
For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, but God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ and Him crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called of God, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. What the apostle is saying is this. It's all, as the old adage goes, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Well, the wisdom, wisdom is in the ear of the beholder, right? Because if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, well, wisdom is in the ear of the beholder. Uh, the ears that are attached to the body that is perishing, the person who is perishing, the person who, who God has not ordained to place faith in Jesus, those ears, those perishing ears, they hear the word of the cross, they hear the message of Jesus, they hear the gospel as something that is foolish, foolish to the Greek, and something that is a stumbling block. Uh, a rock of offense, other scriptures say, to the Jew. It's an offense to the Jew, and it is foolish to the Gentile. Uh, Greeks seek for wisdom. Uh, that was something common in, in Paul's culture, in Paul's day. They, they always the, the, the Greeks always wanted to hear the new, most recent, latest philosophy. And they, they loved Wisdom and they, the Hall of Tyrrhenius and, and you know and and debates about this philosophy and that philosophy and it was all about wisdom the wisdom of man and yet the message of the cross the gospel in their ears sounded like foolishness unless they were being saved and for the Jews it was all about God's law and the idea that that man couldn't live up to God's law that that all of the religious rulers, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the days of Jesus and later in the days of Paul, that it wasn't enough, it wasn't sufficient, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough to please God. Well, that was highly offensive. That was a stumbling block, a rock of offense. So the gospel, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ, his life and death and resurrection, it's foolishness to the Gentile, to the Greek who's seeking wisdom, and it's a rock of offense, a stumbling block. It's offensive to the Jew who is seeking to be righteous in and of himself. Later, in 2 Corinthians now, chapter 2, Starting in verse 14, we see this same concept, the same principle. Paul writes this, But thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads, that is through us, that is the church, the ministers, ambassadors of Christ. So Paul's saying, Say, through me and my team and other Christians, ambassadors of Christ, who are spreading the good news, doing the work of an evangelist, God is spreading through us what? the aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
To some, we are an aroma of death, leading to death, from death to death. But to others, we are an aroma, a fragrance of life, leading to life. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, all the way through verse 16. Now here, remember the old adage, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Or we could say the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is foolishness or wisdom in the ear of the beholder. Or it is good news or an offense, like our question, in the ear of, a, of the beholder. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we, we go from beauty in the eye of the beholder or the, the, the foolishness or wisdom or offense or good news of the gospel in the ear of the beholder. Now we have another analogy, if you will, the nose of the beholder. Now, now the analogy is switched by Paul to talking about aromas and fragrances, smells. And Paul says very plainly, he says, he says this, for to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are perishing. Verse 16, to some, to one group of people, we're the aroma of death to death. But to another, we're the aroma of life to life. Or some translations say a life-giving perfume. So what Paul is saying is this. The way that the message of the cross the gospel of Jesus Christ is received depends on the person. The message doesn't change. It's the same gospel. Why? Because we know from Scripture very plainly there is only one gospel. There is only one gospel. And this one gospel is the only power of God for salvation. So there's only one word of the cross or message of the cross, or gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gospel, to some, it's a life-giving perfume. They, they smell the gospel, and they're like, what is that? It's wonderful. And to others, it smells like a rotting corpse. It, it smells putrid. It, it's something that, that is disgusting in their nostrils. That's to those who are perishing. Or if we go from the nose, we go to the ears. Now, it's wisdom. The gospel, it's, it's the wisdom of God, not just the wisdom of men. It's the wisdom of God. It's, it's the wisest thing they've ever heard. But to those who are perishing, it sounds stupid. It sounds foolish. It sounds like falling. That's in, in the framework of the ears as it pertains to the Greeks or the Gentiles. For, for the ears with the Jews, it's, it's good news, like the question that we got today. It's good news. It's what incredibly relieving, joy-inspiring news that God saves sinners. That's to the Jews who are being saved. But to the Jews who are perishing, it doesn't sound like good news. It sounds like an offense. An offense. They hate it. They're offended by the gospel. So which one is it, right? That, that's our question today. 
Is it good news, right? If the gospel is the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but inherit eternal life. If, if the gospel is, as the Bible clearly says it is, the good news of God loving the world at the cost of his only begotten son, then how can the gospel be that good news and a stumbling block or a rock of offense at the very same time? time? And the answer is that the gospel is good news to some and offense to others. It is wisdom to some and foolishness to others. It is a life-giving perfume to some and the smell of rotting putrid flesh to others. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The gospel is in the ear of the beholder. The beauty of the gospel, it's in the nose of the beholder. It depends on the person. And what characteristics of this person? I mean, there's a, a certain personality type that sees the gospel as wonderful and a certain personality type that doesn't? No. No, there's only one determinative factor only one deciding factor, and it's not personal disposition, it's not gender or age or ethnicity. There's only one quality, defining characteristic that, that separates two groups of people, one that sees the gospel as an offense and the other that sees the gospel as good news, and that is the sovereign election of God. Those who are being saved, who have been predestined by God to be saved, from before the foundations of the world were laid, they see the gospel as beautiful. They hear the gospel as good news. They smell the gospel, as it were, as a life-giving perfume. And those who have not been chosen by God, those who are not being saved, but rather are perishing, they see the gospel as ugly. They hear the gospel as foolishness and an offense. And they smell the gospel, the word of the cross, as a putrid, rotting corpse. Not only are they not interested, they are repelled. Romans chapter 8 says this, the mind of the sinful man, the one who is not born again by a sovereign, miraculous work of the Spirit, the mind of that person is not merely indifferent or neutral to the truth of God, but is hostile. He is at war, at enmity with God and God's gospel. He is repelled by the word of the cross. He is repelled by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because he is offended by the very notion that he would need a savior. He is offended by, by the very idea that someone other than himself would have to live and die in his place. You see, the cross, it shows us at least two primary things about God and how he sees humanity. On the one hand, if you're ever doubting how bad your sin really is in the sight of God, Look to the cross. He who knew no sin bore our sin, 
on our behalf so that we might inherit the righteousness of God. Jesus, in that moment, took upon himself the sin of all the elect of God. And then what did God do with his son Jesus as he bore the sins of the world? Well, he gave him a scolding and a light slap on the wrist. No. He ripped him apart. He tore him limb from limb. He, he nailed him to a cross and put a crown of thorns upon his head. He flogged his back so that it was dripping with flesh and blood. The very white hot wrath of God was poured out at Calvary upon Jesus as he hung on that cross. How does God feel, if you will, about our sin? He hates it. Our sin is so serious that Jesus had to die. And yet, our God loves us so much that he was willing for Jesus to die. See, the cross shows us the severity of our sin and what was required by God in order to atone for our sin. And at the very same time, the cross shows us the severity, if you will, not only of our sin, but of God's redeeming love. We are so sinful that Jesus had to die, but so loved by God that Jesus was willing to die. We see both. For those who are perishing, they see the gospel as an offense because they see in the gospel the Son of God torn apart at Calvary for their sin, because that's what the gospel preaches. It says, you, O listener, are so sinful, so vile, that the only way that God could ever reconcile you to himself is to nail his son to a cross and let him bleed out unto death. The person who is perishing, they hear that message and they say, no, thank you. Right? Because it's an indictment. It's not saying, hey, you're a pretty good person who's made some mistakes along the way. No, it's saying, you're vile. You're wretched. So sinful, so depraved, so vile and wretched that the appropriate, this, isn't, this, this is not harsh on God's part. No, the appropriate and fair consequence for your sin is crucifixion. Nobody likes to think of themselves as that bad. Right? Most of us are willing to admit that we've made some mistakes, that we've done something in our life that was wrong. But very few of us, even Christians, even, even myself, I don't like to admit that my sin is so vile that Jesus' death on a cross was an appropriate punishment. Not overkill. Not harsh. An appropriate, proportional punishment on the part of God. That's what's so offensive. And yet to the one who is being saved, not the one who is perishing, who sees it as an offense, but the one who is being saved, they're willing to acknowledge and admit and accept 
that the crucifixion is God's appropriate and proportional punishment for their sin. But they're also able to see past that and see that that the cross not only shows us the severity of our sin, but that the cross also shows us the caliber, the, the, the magnitude and the severity, if you will, of the love of God. Not only that Jesus had to die because we were so sinful, but that Jesus was willing to die because we are so loved. See, the one who's being saved, the one who's been given spiritual ears to hear good news and spiritual eyes to see the truth and new hearts that are softened and malleable and receptive to the word of the cross to that person, they see. They see the offense of the gospel. They see what God says in the cross about how sinful we truly are. But they also have been given eyes and ears by God to see and hear how loved we are. Not just that we were so bad Jesus had to die, but that we are so loved that Jesus was willing to die. They see that. And in seeing that, they see beauty. In hearing that, they don't hear foolishness or an offense. They hear wisdom and good news. And in smelling that, 2 Corinthians, if you will, chapter 2, they don't smell putrid, rotting flesh. They smell a life-giving perfume. That's the difference. So the gospel is both good news and an offense. And the determining factor between the two is not how we choose to present the gospel. We don't get to take creative license with how we present the gospel because there's only one gospel. We either present it faithfully or not. So if we present the gospel faithfully, then whether it comes as an offense or good news, it does not have to do with our presentation of the gospel, and it does not have to do with God. It has to do with the individual we're presenting the gospel to. Do they have eyes to see, ears to hear, a nose, if you will, to smell, or not? If they do, it comes as good news. It comes as a life-giving perfume. It comes as beauty. It comes as wisdom. If not, it comes as a stumbling block a rock of offense. All right. Thank you, Pastor Joel. And Phil, thank you for writing us in today. Uh, for anyone who was tuning in, uh, we hope that God's word was illuminated to you today through Pastor Joel's teaching. And we would encourage you, if you're not, to plug into a local church that preaches through books of the Bible, mm. where you can feast upon God's word on a weekly basis. And so uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you uh, in the future and answer any questions you might have. Thanks for tuning in. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.